0: Hello and welcome to the Unreported World podcast. I'm Krishnan Guru Gurumurthy. This week, Peter Oborn and his director Richard Cookson visit Libya, six months after the revolution, to find a country still riven by factionalism, militias and violence, as the armed groups who overthrew Colonel Gaddafi cling to territory and power. With Tripoli's streets ruled by the gun, he examines whether freedom from Gaddafi gave the people freedom from fear and terror. Tripoli is ringed by checkpoints. They're manned by gunmen from competing private armies. Six months after the revolution, these armed groups, who overthrew Colonel Gaddafi, are clinging to territory and power. We've just run into a gun battle. We're driving down the road. There's a bunch of guys with guns and a gun battle broke out. Police had tried to remove a militia roadblock. They had been driven off in a hail of gunfire. In Libya's capital, Tripoli, you can't escape the gunmen and their rivalries. On the road to the airport, I spotted a militia unit getting ready to fight. And flanked on all sides by armed men, most of whom won't let us film them. They're waving weapons around, they've got mounted weapons on the backs of trucks, and they're said they're poised to go in and defend the airport. Abdul Razak was a fighter in the powerful Zintan militia. In a fierce battle last year, they'd seized the country's main airport from Gaddafi forces. Now, some of the fighters believed they were
1: being tricked into withdrawal. There is trouble at the airport. Someone from the government is coming down and is going to give another militia control of the airport. I want to say to the minister and government, don't provoke the Zintan rebels. We don't want another militia controlling the airport and smuggling drugs and weapons. If we hand the airport to an untrustworthy group, we will lose Libya.
0: The militia commander was in the VIP lounge. It turned out Mokhtar Al-Aktar was negotiating a handover to the government. In exchange, his men would be given jobs in the Ministry of Defence. The handover was supposed to happen that day, but no one had turned up. Then a government official called.
1: Didn't you tell us to give it back? Didn't you tell us to leave Tripoli? For God's sake, you people.
0: The handover
1: had been postponed.
0: Mr. Al Akhtar,
1: ah. Do you think the
0: government is competent to run the
1: airport now? Only they can decide if they're competent.
0: What is your personal opinion,
1: though? I think the transitional government is struggling, so we will have to wait and see. This is how revolutions happen. They are made by heroes, then seized and controlled by others.
0: Across town, we found militiamen streaming into a government compound. The interim government wants to persuade them to return to civilian life before election day later this month. These men are all fighters who fought in the revolutionary struggle and they've come to collect a cash payout to recognise their efforts. Flush with oil money, the government was paying a bonus of at least £1,000 to each fighter. These offices will distribute well over a million pounds today. And this is a process which has been going on for several weeks and will carry on for another month. Across Libya, around a billion pounds has reportedly been paid out, but it hasn't brought stability. It's early evening in the centre of Tripoli and somebody set up a roadblock just ahead. We're off to see what's going on. We've been blocked from getting up close to the roadblock, so we're walking round through these desolate streets. It's quite frightening here. We just passed a young guy with a machine gun aiming wildly in the air, then pointing his gun at us. We managed to make it to the roadblock. These militiamen were furious. They hadn't been paid for their efforts in the war.
1: We fought in battles and liberated cities. Our people have been shot and some have died. They haven't given me all my brother's money.
0: What will you do if you don't get paid?
1: If we don't get paid, we will keep blocking this road
0: a very menacing feel. It's a very unstable feel. You don't feel that the things are under control at all at the moment. And here we are in the centre of the capital city of Libya. I wanted to investigate what was happening outside the capital. We drove to the coastal city of Zuwara, 80 miles to the west. When we arrived, we found ourselves in a battle. Just behind the front line of an armed conflict between two rival militias. There's constant gunfire and artillery going overhead. There's clearly a very fierce fight indeed going on just down the road. They were fighting a rival militia from the nearby town of Regdalin. Like most armed groups across Libya, these men were shopkeepers, mechanics, and students, civilians who'd come together during the revolution.
1: Do you see snipers in front of you? Where are they shooting from?
0: Commander Bashir Hinnish was directing fighters attacking a Regdalin neighbourhood one mile away.
1: Mortars are coming from your direction. His men were meeting fierce resistance.
0: Until the revolution, Bashir was a college administrator.
1: For four days, Regdalin has been shelling us. We asked for help from the government, but they said this is just tribalism and a problem between us and the people of Regdalin.
0: Bashir said this was a lawless area and his people had to fight their own battles. They'd learnt not to expect help from the government. We met 25-year-old English student and fighter, Ayub Sofyan, he said this battle had been going on for three days. How many casualties have you sustained? Till the moment.
1: For the moment, there is twelve. Twelve have been martyred.
0: You've had twelve killed. Yeah, twelve killed.
1: Yes, twelve killed. Um, martyred. And more than hundred and thirty people have been wounded. Some of them wounded badly.
0: Ayub claimed his militia were the true representatives of the revolution. He said the enemy in Regdalin were Gaddafi loyalists.
1: We're fighting to free our land. I mean everyone, the government saying that Libya is liberated, which is not. Not all of it. Here it's not liberated too. A lot of Gaddafi loyalists is still right here. They have been attacking zuara for months right now.
0: Can you hear right now? They are shooting at us. The bullets are passing. But we are not afraid, because we are tired of being afraid. Allah. Fighting continued through the night. By dawn, the battle had claimed more than 20 lives with hundreds wounded. The two sides arranged a truce. We crossed the front line and entered the rival town of Regdalin. Mawiyah al-Mu'awiyah said he was a leader in the Regdalin
1: militia. He said all his men had done was defend their town. There was a battle all day yesterday. Our fighters were back here. While the Zuwaris were fighting from over there, many weapons were used, including tanks and mortars.
0: Rocket launchers and machine guns, either looted from the army or smuggled in during the revolution, had devastated the area. Both militias clearly had heavy weapons. Looking around, I can see burnt-out and smashed cars, burnt-out buildings. There's a very thick smell of explosives still and there are tank casings and shells everywhere. In the absence of government authority, most towns are ruled by local military councils. Ali Abdul Sama was in charge of Regdalin. He denied the people here were Gaddafi loyalists. The conflict, he said, was about
1: territory. <laughs> We've had problems with them for a few months so the government came and established a border between us. The fighting started when a group of armed men from Zawara came into Regdalin. They burned down the shops and destroyed cars.
0: We were told there had been other clashes between the towns in the past six months. Some claim that battles like this are really about who controls nearby smuggling routes. We returned to Zuara. The hospital was overwhelmed with injured fighters and civilians. Hey. They only had basic facilities. Doctors and nurses were doing what they could to treat the wounded. Omar Shahili was one of the people in charge. Are they all
1: being treated here? Uh, They've been given emergency treatment, and in some cases, we've had to operate. After that, the patients were transferred to Tripoli.
0: Among the dead fighters was a 51 year old shopkeeper called Shalgum Shalgum. Amal Kamis was his widow.
1: He went into battle with the rest of the men. He was shot in the shoulder. He had no more strength. Then he was shot in his head.
0: Amal said Shalgum had survived the revolution, but not the peace.
1: He sacrificed his life for the sake of his country. In the end, he was shot down by a militia.
0: In spite of that tragedy, Shalgum's brother Fuad said the town needed its militia.
1: Right now, they are necessary. I don't think the national army is capable at the moment. But I hope in the future there will be no militias in Libya.
0: Shalgam's family tell us that he fought heroically in the battle against Gaddafi, so he survived the revolution only to be killed by a militia from his neighbouring town. Unless this problem of armed groups is brought under control, many more Libyans look set to die in exactly the same way. In the town of Garian, we'd been told civilians had formed another private army. Our destination was a compound built by Gaddafi. The Garian militia had turned it into a detention centre. I'm yes. Alaikum. The commander was Imad Sega. He told me he provided for the prisoners by stealing at gunpoint.
1: What we can bring, we bring it by force. Even the blankets and the mattresses, most of them are by force. We break into the storages of some, some companies, factories. We just go inside, take the blankets and mattresses and leave.
0: As Gaddafi fought to stay in power, he hired mercenaries from sub-Saharan Africa. Since then, thousands of black workers and suspected illegal immigrants have been rounded up by the militias. Over a thousand of them were housed in this camp. How do you do? How do you do? Every spare bit of space is taken up with mattresses. There's 12 people or so living here. And uh, it looks very cramped. The cells were hot and windowless. Well, do you spend all your time in this room or do you come out of it? we spend all our time here.
1: If somebody want to eat, we come out. After except when eating, you're eating. Eggs. After eating, we come inside.
0: And wh- how long have you been here?
1: Almost oh, two, two months. Months. Three months. Two months? Two months.
0: <laughs> James Osatallor was from Nigeria. He'd been kept here for a month and a half. Look at the, toilet. Look at the toilets. He said there was a shortage of water and no-one had washed for two weeks. Worse, the guards assaulted the prisoners. Put your hands up if you've been Everybody here,
1: everybody has been beaten beat no What has happened
0: here? There's a... Look at The way they
1: hit him on his back, you yeah. see.
0: James had worked in Tripoli as a welder, now he was accused of being an illegal immigrant.
1: They say that they don't need blacks here, that's the main reason why they are holding us, that they just want the whole country to be Libyans, and there's no, no Nigeria, no Ghana, no Mali, they don't need anybody, they'll be doing their work themselves, But they don't need us anymore.
0: Hello, I'm, uh, I'm Peter. Another Nigerian, Eric Amukamara told me he had worked in the country as a plasterer for 10 years.
1: My wife is in Tripoli now. My two, my two children are in Tripoli and one is in Nigeria. Who is going to pay my house rent? Who is going to take care of my wife and children at school? He was
0: desperately worried about his family. His story, it's very moving. He was picked up two months ago at a checkpoint told he hadn't got the right papers. He's been in this jail. For two months, the conditions, he says, are horrible. Meanwhile, his family is destitute because he can't earn money. There has been no functioning court system in Libya since the revolution. Many of these men face the prospect of being locked in these metal cells indefinitely. Roughly 60 people live in this cell block. Yeah, it's fair to say, they're pretty desperate men. They really want their freedom. The commander admitted his men were untrained and should not be working as prison guards. Some of the prisoners told us that they'd been beaten. Do you accept? Do you agree with that?
1: Uh, as, uh, we can't say that because they're only the ones who cause problems.
0: Just okay. the ones you problems. Yeah, who
1: cause problems. Like, sometimes they steal, we don't give them food. If it steals a blanket, we we don't give them a blanket.
0: They say that conditions are pretty brutal
1: here. I agree with them, they're brutal. Help them, please. Our government, their government, United Nations, come help them. They suffer, yes, I agree with them. They suffer a lot.
0: As I left, other prisoners begged me to tell their families where they were. If If
1: you can have any means to assist us to leave this place, that's what we are fighting for. Please, I've been in prison for four or five months plus now. The revolution freed millions from
0: fear and terror, but in the new Libya, these men have lost everything. With the judiciary largely paralysed since the revolution, thousands of Libyans have also faced summary justice. We met one of them. He lived in hiding in a remote location. Walid wanted to stay anonymous. He said he was snatched off the streets of Tripoli by a militia last year.
1: I was at traffic lights and a car pulled up. Men started shouting, get out, get out. They tied me up, blindfolded me and put me in the boot.
0: They accused him of being a Gaddafi loyalist as he hadn't fought in the revolution and took him to that detention center. What happened after that?
1: They put me on a metal bed and poured water on me. They took an electric cable from a light switch and electrocuted me until I lost consciousness.
0: Walid believed the real motive for his kidnap was extortion. They wanted his family farm. Eventually a guard took pity on him, but his brother and
1: uncle were still being held. I fear they are being tortured and might be killed. We
0: passed Walid's account to a human rights group. He begged us not to speak to his kidnappers. I'd like to go and confront the militia leader he says was responsible for all this torture, but I can't do that because his uncle And his brother are still in that jail. And he himself is in fear of reprisal. When Western governments backed the revolution last year, they hoped to replace the barbarism of Gaddafi with democracy and the rule of law. That ambition seems a long way off. Throughout our time here in Libya, we've been hearing serious allegations of abuses carried out by the militias. There aren't very many human rights activists here in Tripoli, but we've tracked one down and we're on our way to see him now. Nasser Hawari runs the Libyan Observatory for Human Rights. He showed me evidence of atrocities committed since Gaddafi's overthrow. NASA is showing me the video of a uh, dead body. The body is very, very heavily marked and bruised. There's a gigantic indentation on the right cheek. It's very, very unpleasant and distressing to look at this.
1: He was Salah al-Sahili from the city of Benghazi. He was arrested and put in a militia prison. He was tortured horrifically.
0: He also showed me photographs of a man found in Zuwara, the town where we'd witnessed fighting.
1: The man in this picture is Salah Mufta al Salem. He was arrested and tortured by a militia. His parents found his body in Zuwara hospital.
0: NASA said that with no proper system of law and order, the militias could use torture with impunity. Most people would say that the world's a much better place because Colonel Gaddafi has gone, but these cases show that some of the most brutal practices of the old regime, unfortunately, still survive. In the coming months, Libya does have a chance to move away from this bloody post-revolutionary period. Its huge oil wealth provides the means to start badly needed reconstruction. Militia leaders are taking part in this month's elections. So for the first time in 33 years, there's the possibility of a democratically elected government. If that happens, perhaps Libyans can gain the peace that has so far eluded them. Our thanks to Peter Oborn and Richard Cookson. You can find out more information by going to the website channel4.com forward slash unreported world. Until next time, from me, Krishnan guru Murphy, goodbye.